0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 69. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to a Thursday edition of My Car Guru. I'm so happy to be in your presence. I am actually leaving after this show to go to Asheville, North Carolina. So why would a perfectly normal person want to go to such a weird place? It's really not. There's, There's some strange people over there, but they can't help it. It's a great place. It's in the mountains. It's got the Grove Park Inn. It's got, you know, Biltmore Mansion. It's got a lot of breweries. Um, It's got a river, the French Broad, that runs right down the middle and actually flows through the mountains and into Tennessee, the beautiful Tennessee Valley, and merges with the – let's see, what does it merge with? I think it merges with the Little Pigeon and the Nola Chucky and forms the uh, one of the biggest lakes in Tennessee, maybe one of the largest lakes in TVA's system, Douglas Lake. And uh, if you've never been to Douglas Lake, go down to, to Dandridge, Tennessee, a little quaint little town. You know, when you're downtown Dandridge, Tennessee, it feels like you're in a small New England setting. But that is one big lake. And then it flows out of that lake, And down towards Knoxville, Tennessee, it becomes the French Broad again, I believe. Yeah. And then it, uh, let's see, the Holston River flows into the French Broad, and guess what it becomes then? That's right. The Tennessee River. So there's the geography lesson for today. Thanks for listening. No, I'm going to keep going. We're going to be talking about some car stuff today since this is a show on cars. But I am going to a family reunion in Asheville. It was going to be a really big thing. It used to be a big thing. Uh, when my mom and her sisters were alive, well, one of her sisters still is, but she's just kind of hanging in there. But when you know the, all that family was together, my, my grandparents on my mom's side of the family did a great job keeping everybody up to date and in communicado. It's so important. Is that not communicating? No, they were definitely communicating. Does incommunicado mean not communicating? Oh well, they were communicating regularly. Lots of letters that I still have that were passed back and forth among the different generations, and so we're gonna the cousins, the first cousins. There were nine of us are getting together in Asheville. A few of the wives are coming, but we're just gonna hang for a while. It may be our last time to be together. Hopefully not, but I'm really looking forward to see because these are the kind of cousins that are more like brothers. There's one sister, um, of the, in the group, but uh, mostly guys. We're going to play golf and we're going to eat really well, and uh, we're going to share a lot of the memorabilia that I have discovered in my mom's house. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten photo albums that I'm taking with me, plus all kinds of letters, and I'm going to distribute that to my cousins. So I am excited. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about cars today. I got a pretty good question. Well, I got hammered by a customer in the showroom. She was upset because they said that she was going to need her second battery in, uh, in less than a year. And so we talked about, I said, do you drive your car very often? She said, no, I do not. I said, well, you know, that's not good for cars, and sometimes batteries will go bad. I'm sure we can. Is it the battery still under warranty? Well, yes, it is. We need to go a little bit further and check your charging system. Well that's I think that's what they're doing it's in the shop right now. But her her old battery which was still under warranty was dead, defective probably or just the car sitting and becoming discharged and then losing some of its cranking power. So she's moving on to a new battery under warranty but you know the charging system is very important. You know, have you ever had your battery light come on on your dash? Well, it's one of the reasons, you know, again, we talk about not putting pictures and notes and stuff like that on your dashboard because if it comes on, it means something's not going the way it should. But every gasoline powered, or I guess even hybrid cars, have a rechargeable 12 volt battery. Um, And the battery powers everything that's electrical on the car, it controls the the onboard computer, uh, the ignition system, the radio, the headlights. So it's, you know, it's essential or it's not going to work. But uh, the 12-volt battery would eventually go dead if it weren't constantly recharged uh, with a built-in recharging system. See, you didn't even know your car had that. You just thought the battery powered everything, but it's actually the alternator and the voltage regulator that keep that battery charged and basically provide all of the electricity to the vehicle when the engine's running. So you don't need your battery once the thing starts. Uh, A typical alternator alternator, no, alternator, uh, can put out between 500 and 1,000 watts of power. But your car's really dependent on the battery, and any car with an internal combustion engine and a 12-volt battery is going to have a light on the dashboard that will warn you if the recharging system is failing. Now, it looks like a little battery. Sometimes it says battery, but it's a simple cir- uh, it's a circuit that looks at the voltage. Well, it doesn't look at it. It just measures measures the voltage. And it checks to see if the voltage is too low to keep your battery charged. And if it does, if it is too low, then it kicks on that little light. So that light is really giving you an indication that your charging system is not doing what it's supposed to do. And you might have to get it fixed. You know, it could be a belt. It could be a belt that's slipping. And uh, that's why the alternator is not able to keep the battery charged. Or it could be, it's typically the voltage regulator that goes bad. The alternator is less likely, far less likely to be the culprit in that scenario. Used to be the most likely culprit, but they are—they they've figured out how to make those things more reliable. So if you just start your car, though, and the battery light comes on, then... It'll, as long as it goes off pretty quickly, it's just showing you that it works. Basically, when you turn on your ignition, all your uh, warning lights come on to make sure that you know that they're all working. But when you turn the car ignition on and it's running, they'll all go out eventually. So if, if it doesn't go out, then you need to go to your nearby car dealership that sells your brand or your local shop, wherever you go and say, my battery light's on. Now, if they say, Well, let's just replace the battery. No, get your battery tested. Uh, If you haven't been driving much, like if your car stays parked a lot, then that could be the reason that the battery is discharged. You just need to drive around. That's probably what I would do. If my battery light came on, I would drive around for 10 miles or so and see if it goes out. And then if it doesn't go out, then you know that it's probably, it still could be your battery, but more than likely it's your charging system. Price goes up. When it's your charging system, but you have to get that taken care of, or you're going to, you're going to get stranded and we don't want that. Okay. I'm going to take my first break and I'll be back in just one minute. Just had a radio station, not the one that you may be listening to right now, but another radio station came to me and they said, Hey Lenny, why don't you advertise with us? We'll let you sponsor all of our football and basketball, all of the sports on our, on all three stations uh, we'll give you 5,000 radio spots per year. I don't know. I haven't broken that down yet. Every news story, every weather report, everything is all going to be about Gateway Ford and Gateway Nissan. I said, well, that's great. How much is that going to cost? Well, we want you to give us a vehicle. So this is not the first time that something like that has happened. We're right? TV station or a radio station, you know, they use these these vehicles, like it could be a van or a, you know, like a expedition or something like that, and they'll wrap them, or they'll put signage all over it, and they'll use it for their remote broadcasts, or they'll use it for their, you know, the people that work at the station to go to, you know, the breaking news stories, you know, when some famous person lands at, at the airport, and they want to jump all over, take pictures, you know, paparazzi-like. But, uh, yeah, they want me to give them a vehicle. So how am I going to figure that one out? Well, they give me a a general value of what the advertising is worth. And I cut that by 50% because that's what it's really worth. And then I take that number and I divide that number into a vehicle that they're interested in, what the selling price would be of the vehicle. And so let me give you an example. Let's say they want a Bronco Sport and it's forty thousand dollars. I'm just pulling a number out of the air, and so all right, put forty thousand in the calculator. And let's say their package. They say their package is worth six thousand. I take fifty percent of that, divide it by three thousand. So I can get for thirteen point three three months. I can get all of that advertising package in exchange for the vehicle. Now, is that a good deal? Well. Yeah, it probably is a good deal because I have margin built in, obviously, into the vehicle that I'm selling them. So I'll make a profit on that. If I'm going to spend the money anyway on advertising, then why not give them a vehicle for it? Or it's not really giving them, it's trading. It's a trade. Just another example of of what do you get for what you give, right? Um, You know, a lot of people do that. They do it every day when they're trading cars. They're trading a value for a different value. So if the car that you're looking at is $50,000 and you have no clue what the value is of the car that you have, then you're not in a good position to negotiate, are you? And that's the way 90% of the people, that's an arbitrary number somewhat, but based on my experience, the vast majority of people don't know what their car's worth. And they can tell basically what the new vehicle is valued at. If it's brand new, it has a window sticker on it, right? Shows the MSRP. So that's really easy to compare one vehicle to another. You can look at the MSRP on a Toyota RAV4 versus a Honda CRV and check out the value. You know, you get in the vehicle, or both of them, you drive them. And, you know, you go through this mental process of saying, well, I like this. I don't like that. I like this better on this vehicle. I like that better on that vehicle. You know, you go through this evaluation process, and you're basically what you're doing is you're developing a scale, a value scale in your head, and you're weighing the the benefits of one vehicle over another. So that's kind of what we do when we look at somebody's trade-in. We're looking at, at the relative value of that, but we're comparing it against a standard. Where do we get that standard? Well, we get it online. Just like you could, you know, if you took the time to do that before you go car shopping. You know, we look at, well, I have this program on my phone. Well, it's an app, but it's called Dealer Link. And Dealer Link will look at the entire market, every book value, every vehicle that's being bought, sold, traded online, that's being listed online at all the different websites, Auto Trader, Car Gurus, everywhere. It looks at Carvana or Carvana prices. Is it Carvana or Carvana? I don't really care. But they look at all the different prices for cars like yours, for example, that are going through the auction and what they're bringing, and then they provide condition reports so that you know that you're comparing apples and apples. You know, one car that's that got the ti- that has the tires worn out is not worth as much as a car that has brand new tires. So all of these different factors have to be weighed. Is there an exact number that that somebody's going to be able to come up with that will determine the absolute value of that vehicle to a thousand different dealers? No, everybody's going to have a different opinion. But if you're looking at you know the average Honda dealer, and you take twenty Honda dealers and you take your Honda CRV to twenty different Honda dealers, if if they're looking at the same car under the same circumstances and they're in a similar market size, they're going to be within three to three to five hundred dollars of each other. It's pretty accurate. They're not going to miss it by much. The only, I guess, exception would be if they have somebody that's definitely wanting to buy your vehicle. They will stretch. They'll go more on your vehicle if they have a an immediate buyer for it. So. Dealers have a big advantage. Now, how, how does a consumer manage that situation? Well, you can go online and you can punch in the, uh, well, you can go to Auto Trader. you can go to KBB. Um, you can, there's multiple sites online. You can just go to Google and say, how much is my car worth? And it'll bring up all the different sites that you can go to. Now, you have to make sure that you're looking at the right category. So on, on a typical website like that, you're going to have wholesale, retail, and trade-in. What are, what are the differences there? Well, trade-in is is basically what you should be able to expect from a new car dealer. But that's not real. I, I've got a problem with the trade-in number because really the number that makes the most sense is the wholesale number. That's what a dealer is willing to pay for a car. And as far as the retail value, that should be based on what cars like your car are being advertised for online. So that's what somebody would be willing to pay. So what the heck is trade-in? Well, trade-in is is really a number that is a moving target. Trade-in means what can you expect to get on a particular vehicle type? Like, for example, do you think that you can get more for your car as far as trade-in. In In other words, somebody would allow you so much money for your car on a F-150 or a um, Nissan Versa. Right. It's going to be on the F-150 because it has a lot more uh, markup. The, The percentage of markup may be about the same, but the actual markup, when you're talking about an $80,000 vehicle versus a $20,000 vehicle, the $80,000 vehicle is going to have more room, you know, for them to discount the car. So let's say that um, you go to a dealership and you say, well, I'd like to have that Versa, or I'd like to have that Ultima. Well, the Altima has more markup in it. So say, they say, well, on trade in value on the Versa, we're going to give you $10,000 for your car. Now, if you buy the Ultima, A better example would be an Armada. So if you are buy the Armada versus the Versa, the Armada, we're going to give you $12,000 for your car. Well, how come my car's worth more on the Armada than it is on the the Versa? Uh, Because we have more markup in the Armada. That's why trade-in is a moving target. Really, you need to know what the wholesale value is on your car because that's what the dealer is actually putting in the car. Trade in value is includes the discount. And that's not really fair. And it's really a moving target. Like I said, how many times did I say moving target? Okay, I won't say it anymore. So what do you do? What's a customer to do who doesn't understand all this stuff? Go to the dealership and tell them you're not trading cars, that you're just buying straight out. Now a lot of car dealers are saying, Lenny, don't tell them that. But that's the truth. You know, find out what you can buy the car for first. And, then, and they're going to say, well, what are you going to do with your trade-in? And you're going to say, well, I'm just probably going to sell it myself. And then they'll throw all kinds of arguments at you for why you don't need to sell it yourself. But you don't really intend to sell it yourself because you're going to lose your sales tax credit and all that stuff. But still, you have to find out what they're willing to sell the car for without the trade-in. That's the, where you start. So find out what, the, what their best number is. You know, a lot of cars, it's going to be MSRP right now. Some cars over and some cars under. Things are slowing down a little bit. And, uh, you know, you got to find out what the factory rebates are. I'm talking about if you're looking at a new car. Or it could be a used car, too. You know, find out what they're willing to sell the used car for. Are you sure you don't want to trade? Not. I just want a straight-out number on this car, how much we sell it for. So you get that number, and then you say, well, how much will you pay me for my trade-in off of that? Oh, they might start backpedaling or whatever, but you're going to find out what they're really going to put in your car then. So you got to play this right. And, um, you know, if you really want to find out first, what your car is worth, you can send me the VIN number. That's right. You can send it to me real live, new car dealer with a twist. And I will tell you like it is. You just, uh, give me the miles, give me the equipment that it has on it. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, does it have a sunroof? Uh, Does it have, um, you know, if it's a Chevy truck, is it an LT? Is it an LTZ? You know, what type of trend package does it have? What's the condition of the vehicle? Tires, body damage? I'll pull a Carfax on it myself so I'll know, you know, what the history is and where it came from. And I'll give you a number that you can bank on. Why? Because I'll pay it. That's right. I own a car dealership, so I need cars. I buy cars all the time, every day, off the street. If you want to know what somebody will pay for a car, just call me, 423-552-2020. Or you can send me an email, lennylawson2020 at gmail.com. But, you know, that's just negotiating 101, right? You've got to know what what the difference is in value. And uh, if you don't know what your value is, but he's willing to share what his value is, then, you know, it's kind of, you're flying half blind. So let's not do that. Let's have all of the information that we need to go in and and do a good negotiation, get a great deal on a new car. Uh, We won't even talk about the financing side of things yet. We'll do that uh, maybe next show. Okay, I'm going to take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, so I'm all fired up, getting ready to go out of town again, Uh, back to Asheville again. But this is going to be fun. Picking up my cousins at the Asheville Airport. Some of them are driving down from Ohio, but I've got a California, one from, uh, let's see, where do they live? Mission Viejo, California. One from Westminster, Colorado, which is, I think, in between Boulder and Denver. And then a group from Lima, Ohio. And then a couple more from Uh, what is that, below Cape Canaveral, whatever that little town is south of that, Uh, not too far from Orlando. So we're all merging. Oh, and my brother, who's from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So we're all going to be merging in Asheville, North Carolina, and looking forward to that. Well, I hope you can have a reunion this summer sometime. It's a great thing to be able to get together as long as you can all get along, and we do. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will be back tomorrow.